0: Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash pivot. Support for this show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
1: And I'm a competitor in the Olympic sport of sunbathing. And I'm proud to announce I brought home bronze. I'm bronze. <laughs>
0: Where do you get, get these terrible jokes? Dad have, jokes. Have you been watching the Olympics? Have you No, been?
1: and no, neither has anyone else.
0: That's not true. Amanda Katz has been. She okay, Amanda. It. So, so is the golden child. 28 been million
1: people saw the Olympics in Rio. 10 million tuned in. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about this. Is the viewership. And we I think we predicted this. Viewerships down... 45, 50 percent?
0: Yeah. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, one, it's the perfect storm of bad things. It's all the oxygen that's supposed to build up athletes has been talking about the terrible situation that Japan and the IOC and the athletes are in. Two, no one knows where the fuck to watch it. Everyone cuts the court, so it's like, where do I watch it? Peacock? I'm not doing that. And then... I mean, do you even? have I don't even have live TV anymore. So it's. Like, I where, do,
0: but I don't know where to watch it. You're right; it's too confusing. I watch it on
1: TikTok. It's, the only time yeah. I've seen any Olympics coverage right now is on TikTok.
0: Interesting, interesting. Right? Well, I do think I think there's not an excitement around some of them, although, and getting you know, getting you going on a lot of them, um, like the the swimmer, that woman swimmer King, or mm-hmm. some others. You don't feel invested in it, except for I have to say Simone Biles. I will be watching that, and the yeah. women's soccer team still. I still like watching Megan Rufino kick ass is always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think probably Simone Biles is the big star here, right? I mean, I'm trying to think of who else. There's some skateboarding yeah, chick and there's a bunch of stuff and a dude. But I'm not that interested in skateboarding as a sport kind of thing. I know I should, I'm going to get like pummeled by people. But, you know, I just feel like there's no maybe there will be a breakout star, but it, there it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like the same level of of marketing that goes into this. I guess the marketing part of it that we're and we're exhausted from COVID and arguing about vaccinations. I think this Delta variant popping up in this period, you know, is really and along with all these climate. Crisis. is speaking of which, COVID isn't the only problem threatening the Olympic Games this week. A tropical storm may hit Tokyo today. Oh, Organizers have rescheduled medals <laughs> Literally for when surfing. It rains I know it's the surfing; they have surfing competitions. Even if the storm misses the city, it could disrupt Olympic venues. A Russian archer fainted from the heat. It's very hot there. Tennis stars are calling the humidity brutal. Having spent time in Tokyo pre all this situation with climate change, it's a hot, it is a warm place to be. As I recall, when I was living there. In summer. It's quite hot. So
1: uh, You lived in Japan during the summer? I did. You are such a complex person.
0: When Louis was born, we brought him, I won a fellowship to something in Tokyo and I was there for, for six months. It was lovely. I had a great time there. Anyway, the Olympics are really uh, kind of limping a little bit, I have to say. You're right. Uh, it is. And we were correct that it would. Where do you imagine, do you imagine anything bringing it back or maybe just some exciting storyline?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting because the last bastion of the ad supported media complex was supposed to be sports and live tv mm-hmm. and in the last 12 months we have seen just a dramatic decline of between 40 and 60% viewership of the academy awards the golden globes yep, golden globes is. super bowls down 8% and now the olympics and so you think okay is this the beginning of the end for uh, the ad supported media complex and i don't think the olympic the olympics viewership is 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 going to come back. I think it's a structural change down. But at the same time, viewership of the Euro Cup and viewership of the World Cup are still pretty strong. So I'm trying to wrap my head around is it the ad-supported nature of it? I quite frankly think that a big component of this Mm -hmm. is that there's a generation of... Think how much the media landscape has changed in the last four years. event
0: television. Well,
1: four years ago, I used to have... I'd walk in, I'd turn on the TV, and NBC would pull up. Uh, mm-hmm. Or I'd be watching Must See Thursday night, or whatever right. it was. That was about. And I and ten and years I, ago, but okay. Well, it feels <laughs> like it feels like yesterday. <laughs> it is. It's it's been fifteen years for Matthew Perry in his own head. Anyways, yeah. okay. um, I'm not sure what I meant by that. Uh, Although,
0: it, hey, look at J- Jason Kyler was toting his horn about the Friends reunion. Two point eight million signups for anyway. Go ahead, HBO man Yeah, but that's
1: just because everyone wants to see a train wreck and see Botox in action. Well, they're that's, doing
0: pretty good. They're yeah, good. they're doing okay. I, I, I don't mind him, like, trotting it out for people, given how screwed he's gotten in the in the deal. Yeah. people They have good programming on HBO Max. They do. It's getting better. Oh, anyway, keep fantastic. going. Your it's point fantastic. being about must-see TV. Go ahead. Well,
1: anyways, but now, I, I, and I think there's a lot of people like this. If you were 15 mm-hmm. and now you're 19, you, you, A, you don't have cable. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. You maybe have Hulu and live TV. So where do you watch? And you're like, there's no fucking way you're signing up yeah. for Peacock. I mean, as sexy as Chuck Todd is, you are not know, signing up for Peacock. Oh, peacock. You are not. So Peacock. It's a distribution problem, and Could I your think be in
0: your bonnet about Peacock. Peacock. Um, you're right. Peacock. You're right. But the others, I think, are doing really well. I only way, watch peacock, streaming television. By the way. Uh,
1: yeah. Peacock optioned my second book, Algebra of Happiness, and you know what's happened yeah. so far? What? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, Kara. Okay, Nothing. Told, you
0: know, let me just try to give you a, a little lesson. The only way you're gonna be successful on television is don't with Kara Swisher, off. no, is with Kara Swisher. I am the I am the, the secret sauce wish. of Scott. You know what? You keep going alone, and I I'll let you do it. it for a little while. I you, get it. You, it's you and me, baby. For no. like that is where it's yeah. gonna happen. And so you just wait and see. Speaking of which, I am trying to expand my horizons. I got on the conservative social network Getter this week, and Getter. I have over a thousand followers there i think f- it's fantastic i it's actually a very good app let me just say okay. uh, c- from a tech Better. point of view it's very easy to use it looks like twitter it's a cleaner twitter it's a, it's actually quite attractive it's got a few it doesn't have enough news sources you can't you can you can do gifts but you can't do all the things you can do on twitter not yeah. that twitter is the most functionally you know fantastic feature functional thing uh in in the 20 whatever how many years it's been going um but it was launched by former trump advisor jason Miller, who is still i think a a uh, Trump advisor, and it's not bad. And I have to say, I I am enjoying being the liberal on there. I'm like Dinesh D'Souza of Getter, except except he, well, on Twitter. Except I'm smarter, obviously, than he is. He's an imbecile, but I I like it. I like I. It's interesting. I, I'm getting a lot of crime. There's a lot of crime things. Marjorie Taylor Greene's a big thing on there, and she screams a lot. Um, I you know Sean Hannity screams a lot, and I just like I like tweak them the whole time. I'm finding it enjoyable being like the bad girl of, Getter, I like it. And, yeah, and actually, I've had some good discussions too.
1: We've unfortunately been uh, misled, and that is <laughs> we think that the thing that is awful uh, and the thing that makes us upset, we believe, is, is conservative or liberal viewpoints when we don't share those viewpoints. And the right. reality is the majority of us don't mind a good discussion. Yes. And the majority of us find value and merit in the other side. Yep. What we don't find value in merit and what creates uh, – starts to unravel the fabric that is America and democracy one thread at a time is when these platforms uh, not only uh, allow but promote incendiary behavior from yeah. bots and people yeah. who just weigh in. I'll give you yeah. an example. I, write, I wrote my blog post last week on No Mercy, No Malice was on yeah. uh, space. Mm-hmm. And basically saying, I miss the days of public capture and NASA, and we've effectively mm-hmm. decided to create a tax structure such that we defund NASA and billionaires have more money, and that's who's going to be right. in space.
0: I've no- I have noticed all your space stuff.
1: Yeah, and we're going to have a lot more private con- – and all of a sudden, my comments, my comments on my blog, I get anywhere between 50 and 500 – got really ugly on this one. And I thought, okay, there's certain subjects I call Taliban subjects and no one can have an, an, an objective conversation. Any VC-backed company you question the value of, crypto, Bernie Sanders, there's just some things you can't have a rational conversation around. And I said, why did the comments get so ugly this week? And they said, it's because we started doing some limited testing of advertising for your blog on Facebook. Oh. And- and so there's huge opportunity for social media. Yeah. That's why TikTok is succeeding. That's why Snap is succeeding. In my opinion, this is why
0: LinkedIn crushed it. Crushed it. Crushed and it. And by
1: the way, I just want to – so what happens, though? There's a perfect example. Someone whose company I have said is overvalued is mm-hmm. now circulating on Twitter, yeah. me on CNBC three years ago, saying Snap is the walking dead. And they don't say, well, this is a video from three years ago. And since then, I've, I've said, okay, I was wrong. Yeah,
0: we have. And who led that? Kara Swisher.
1: But there is opportunity on both the conservative and the progressive side for all of us where we'd be interested as long as it's civil.
0: I would have to agree. I like to dunk on Sean. When Sean Hannity switched back, I like vaccines, and oh, maybe I don't. I said, pick a lane, Sean. I think people like, I mean, I'm making a lot of jokes and I'm not being right. mean. I'm making a lot of funny jokes, which I like, but I'm putting up really good, um, and I'm responding to the dumb ones like Il Donaldo, Trumpo, who I don't like very much, but I, it doesn't matter. I'm making jokes. I'm not. Ke- I'm keeping it light. But at the same time, when in the comments, I've had so many good discussions of people yeah. who disagree with me. And so it's really quite- And you learn. Quite,
1: if it's civil, you I find I, okay. I, We're not going to agree, but
0: it's civil. It's been, there's been some crazies, but are, that are like vaccines are from demon. Bill Gates and I'm like, no, they're not. They're not. Yeah. And I think by putting the information out there, I'm putting up New York Times stories. I'm like, well, if you don't agree with this, think of this. Or Sarah Huckabee Sanders kept saying Trump vaccine, everyone should take it. I'm like, let's give her a calling. Let's fine. just call it the Trump vaccine. If you're going to take it, I don't really care at this point. If we have to pet yeah. you all to take the friggin' vaccine. So it's it's been. A, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying myself both to, to dunk on people in a very funny way and also to have discussions. And the discussion the parts are really interesting. And I think they're sort of like. We're glad you're here. J.D. Vance keeps talking about people having children, Democrats not having children. And I'm like, I I have more children, double the children you do, sir. But why don't you start talking about policy issues like childcare, this and that? And like a lot of conservatives are like, yeah, why doesn't he talk about policy around it? And I was like, Mm -hmm. yes. Like, I know it sounds crazy. It's not I don't think I'm going to change some of these people's minds, but I think it's really
1: like if you're going to be part of the resistance, you need to go behind enemy lines. Yeah. And
0: they're uh, not enemies. Well, my many point, of them are. My point Some is, aren't. you need to yeah.
1: go, we, you need to be open to being on Getter. And,
0: yeah.
1: and when someone shows up and says, uh, like a good comment on my post was, Scott, you're overestimating the risk. There hasn't been a launch fatality in 10 years. That's mm-hmm. a fair point.
0: I do that at the times when people write me nasty things. I write them back, and then suddenly they're my, not my friends, but they're like, oh, Okay, like, and I was like, as long as you're civil, I'm happy to talk to you, even if we disagree. And here's why I did this. Here's why I asked the question this way. And so it's interesting. Anyway, it's it's it was quite. It's you need to get on there with me. Get as on long as
1: her. it's a real person and yes. not a bot yep. that is angry because you. Oh, it's real people. You questioned the value of their portfolio companies, so they are keyboard cowards hiding behind fake accounts attacking you for totally
0: unrelated right. there issues. There is that. It is suffers from that too, but it, and it suffers from a lot of of misinformation and a focus on literally crime anti-vaxxers are a little bit too strong on there and there's a lot of like biden is is addled whatever you know what, whatever i don't i they, it feels like fox news uh, twitter version of fox news right. but nonetheless i like being there and i think you should sign up and then the two of us should have a nice we'll time. go on
1: let's do go a on. live getter we will.
0: i'm gonna ask them if we can do that yeah it'll be great all right time for the big story Senator Amy Klobuchar is taking aim at vaccine misinformation with some new proposed legislation. Her new bill will strip social networks of Section 230 immunity for spreading false health information. Section 230 currently protects Internet platforms from liability for third-party content. Obviously, some of this stuff had been stripped away before around pornography mm-hmm. and sex, sex work and things like that. So it's it's another step on this area. It's controversial, though. Klobuchar's proposed bill is called the Health Misinformation Act. It allows a Secretary of Health and Human Services to define misinformation information and declare an emergency a representative for facebook said the social network quote looks forward to working with congress and the industry as we consider options for reform so you know i don't know what do you think about this it's like like i didn't love it when they were doing the sex you know sex trafficking stuff and even though i get i get why they were doing it and it makes for a good political fodder what do you think of this
1: I think you're better versed and have a more thoughtful view around this stuff just because the industry you're in. But my my general viewpoint is that, let me start from a dissenter's voice is increasingly important as it becomes more the unconventional wisdom. The, the, mm-hmm. To a certain extent, the smaller the fragment or the less the less popular that viewpoint, to a certain extent, the more more important it is that it gets some sort of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you, you end up going down groupthink, or that's a step towards totalitarianism where all of a sudden you decide, a group of people get to decide what type of content is dangerous, right? Yeah. So uh, I think you have to have uh, some level of appreciation for the dissenters viewpoint. The issue I have, the issue I have is that when you have, and I'll use Fox News, because I think mm-hmm. these cable networks should be subject to the same scrutiny, when the principals and the anchors of fox news are all clearly believe Not the all. vaccines well they've all in my sense they've all gotten a vaccine
0: yeah well we don't know but uh, anyway well
1: okay i'm going to go out on a limb here when when rupert murdoch got it in december i don't even know how he had access to it in december and then all of a sudden they start claiming oh that's a, that's privacy you shouldn't ask me that that's my way of saying well i'm i've gotten it but they make a concerted effort and it's a coordinated attack on Vaccines and vaccine um, and create vaccine hesitancy because they see profit in it. I think if they can link that type of disinformation and disingenuous editorial planning to profit, I think they should be subject to
2: liability.
0: Well, they are. Fox News can be sued. Obviously, they're being sued by the voting machine companies. They can be sued. Social networks cannot be because, because of, of 230. This Section Two Thirty. Yeah. I don't understand.
1: So I, I don't understand why they have they don't have the same scrutiny as CNBC and Fox. Well, I don't. Well, that is that. the
0: that is the debate about Two Thirty. Some yeah. people think it's really bad if you take it away. Then it creates a real chilling effect on it. You know, and the other part is, you know, when you when you're talking about public health, as you know from everything, it's part mm-hmm. science, it's part a lot of things, and and things change, and that's the thing. You know, I talked about right. Fauci with it, and that's what's made him. Dem- demonic to the right, um, which is ridiculous when he says, okay, they may flip back with mass guidance again, because as things change, you have to shift. And so I'm not sure I want the Health and Human Services Secretary to decide what can be on these things. I think we have to pressure these companies into doing the right thing and trying to keep as, uh, I don't know if I want a bill doing this. I have to say it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, and if we're going to remove it, we have to really think about the repercussions of as, you know, you could remove it. What, what's to say you can't remove it on election misinformation. You can't remove it on this. Uh, you, as you know, I'm a huge, I think they're the most dangerous thing around, but I'm not mm-hmm. so sure I want the health and human services. Cause what if it's Trump's health and human Service? I don't, you know, I don't, I wouldn't like that. And I don't necessarily right. trust any of them. And so I think it'll, It'll be interesting to see what happens to 230. And I know that Senator Klobuchar is sort of focused on it and the liability. You do have to give these companies some level of liability. The question is, how do you do it so that it doesn't turn into this, you know, lawyer, lawyer employment fund kind of law? And that's really the problem is what does it do? What is, there's so many people I think are smart that are worried about the repercussions of doing all this. And now, you know, I guess, not everyone can agree on sex trafficking, but this is not something that's going to cause a lot of people to say, yes, let's back that. But this kind of stuff does make me nervous. The number one source challenged. of
1: disinformation, I feel like it's almost a link to profitability. I think you're allowed mm-hmm. to make honest mistakes with speech. But when you have a doctor, and I use that term loosely, yes, this doctor. who is the number one source of disinformation, and he uses Facebook to promote his alternative therapies. Yep, that guy. And it's clear that the Times pr- wrote about him this week. It's clear it. that there's a connection between Facebook liking controversy and amplifying its content because it creates such rage. Mm-hmm. And then there's a direct profitability link. And then you can also quite frankly, I think you could link this misinformation to death, disease and disability. Yeah. And I think when you're profiting off of information that you could easily determine is not accurate or not scientifically backed, this is a whole different game when you're talking about healthcare and there are carve outs to 230.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I think that you need to take action. I think I think quite frankly Klobuchar, she's so powerful in the Senate and she has such a good reputation on both sides. I would like to see them go one step further. The misinformation thing we have to deal with—that's well, a structural issue. I think the short-term fix we need, quite frankly, is—I think we need the Senate to pass a series of legislation that starts cutting off transfer payments to people who don't want to do what the government wants. And the government wants you to get a vaccine, and sees economic—we're right. yeah, not
0: France,
1: exactly. Because Macron said something really powerful, and that he said people have essentially conflated um, absence or freedom from oppression for, uh, as freedom from responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the reality yeah, is that the, smart. That the, two smart are, it, the two are entirely different, and that is your f- absence of a, of oppression is a function, is a function of your willingness not to take absence of responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point, that the, yeah. the, the nations that end up with the least oppression are the ones where the citizens engage in the greatest level of responsibility. And we've conflated the two, and it just— you believe that you're being oppressed if you're asked to be a citizen.
0: Yes, this is uh, true. And yet I do not feel like the Health and Human Services Director is the one I want to decide what information and misinformation is. I, it, it, It's so – everything is so politicized that it's almost impossible. I do think we should be – required. you know that. I think we should be required – you, you, if you don't want to get the vaccine, just like any other thing that you won't do, uh, you know, like rabies, not rabies, excuse me. Um, rubella, box, whatever, yes. um, you don't get to do things. That's all. Yeah. You do- okay. Your choice, your life, that kind of things. And then, and then let the legal system sort it out if you're allowed to, 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 and I think judges, most judges would be like, you're a threat to public. I want this to be in the legal system and not in government, like, if that makes sense. Well, well,
1: even the Second Amendment, which people hold very dear to them, you, distinct of your rights, you cannot bring a gun on a flight. You cannot bring a gun into a school. So why would we allow you to bring a much more, in many ways, a more dangerous gun into crowded places? Why would we allow that? Why wouldn't we have some sort of, when we are having death everywhere, why wouldn't we have some sort of elegant screening mechanism that says, fine, you want to cash our check, our transfer payment? you have to show proof of vaccination. You want to take your kid to a public school, you have to show proof of vaccination. I just don't, it's enough already. Uh, uh, And and so 2.30 and the nuance around 2.30, and there's some really interesting things here. For example, Facebook took down content talking about whether or not the virus had originated in a Chinese lab. And so, and then you think, OK, we should have seen that content. So it is very difficult for Facebook and everybody else. I think we are moving towards a better system there. But short term, we – and there's some good news. Vaccination rates have started to tick up again. But this is this is all hands on deck.
0: Yeah, but this mis- – this, these exceptions are carving out. I mean, yeah. one of the things she did say, Senator Klobuchar, we need a long-term solution. Yep. Doing all these carve-outs, not, I think – uh, is not what we need to do. Um, I, yep. I, I I seldom disagree with her, but in this case, I do. And I think that the pushback is going to be, one thing is Republican support. And of course, now Republicans are going back and forth on vaccines and deploying them. And without Republican buy-in is not going to happen, right? But I I think there's a lot of issues here that these carve-outs. And we need a long-term solution for tex- Section 230 and the liability of these platforms. And that's a longer-term discussion that we simply can't have in this political environment. We just can't. We just can't. We can't do it. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. And when we come back, we'll take a deeper look at increasing data privacy concerns following the outing of a Catholic priest.
2: Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens
0: We're back, Scott. The writers who doxed a Catholic priest using location data from his Grindr account have defended their actions, even as they're drawn fire from privacy activists and other Catholics. The publishers of The Pillar newsletter, which is, I believe, on a substack, says their work was inspired by a New York Times series that highlighted the dangers of location data being sold on the open market. More revelations seem likely. The Pillar reports that it found patterns of location-based hookup app use at more than 10 locations connected to the Archdiocese of Newark. Uh, this was, was an incredible story written about these two people working for Catholic publications and they moved away because they didn't think they were doing enough to investigate this stuff. And the people they used to work Work for like we didn't had had access to this and decided from an ethical point of view that it wasn't correct. A spokesman for Grinders says the app is not a source of the data, but the details are slim of how they got it. This is a really interesting story because on one hand there is all the hypocrisy, and I, I got a lot of pushback when I said this seems creepy to me, um, and it, hypocrisy of these priests being you know so anti-gay and then being gay themselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's it, it's also these guys are sort of very cavalier in this article that. Uh, where they talked about uh, what they were doing and they felt that they seemed to be on a, a crusade. I hate to use that term here, but that's what it seems like about these priests. And so there seem to be advocates in a lot of ways and yet mm-hmm. they are so reporters. What do you think uh, about this, this idea of being followed everywhere?
1: It touches on a lot of things. I think that mm-hmm. there has to be some liability that if you're a response, if you're a platform and you have people's data and you let that data be accessed or you access private data, of an ordinary citizen, and it really defames them or has a tangible impact on their ability to make a living, I think there's got to be a liability in there. I think more people need more checks around ruining people's lives. The thing that struck me about it was just the level of homophobia we have still in our society. Because I asked myself, I wondered, okay, if a religious figure had been found to be on apps hooking up with women, um, Mm -hmm. would we have cared? Would this have been Mm -hmm. a big story? I mean, remember, Gawker did this Awful story about just like a mid-level executive at a at a media company in New York who was going on apps and he was married with two kids and uh, was having was getting male escorts and mm-hmm. the thing that made it titillating in like a reveal for more clicks so Gawker could make more money was that okay if if it had been a married executive you know having sex with other women having affairs no one would have cared and it's like well why do we care what why do we why is it uh, I understand the hypocrisy but I really I really feel for this guy. Yep. Yep. I, I I think you know his life, his life. I don't want to say it's ruined, but it, it's it's. It, this is a very difficult moment for him. Remember the governor of New Jersey. Yep, he was forced to resign because he was having affairs with men. If he'd have yeah. been having affairs. With women, he could be a president.
0: Well, you know what's interesting? This is interesting. This is this guy named Ed Condon and J.D. Flynn. There's a big story in the Washington Post. I urge everyone to read about them. They had broken away from a longstanding Catholic news agency that they worked at. They were journalists. We aim to do serious, responsible, sober journalism about the church from the church. And for the church, we want the pillar to be a different kind of journalism. And then they did a story that, as the Post notes, mainstream news organizations would be unlikely to touch. And they have argued that this is the right thing to do. But one Catholic writer described it as a witch hunt aimed at gay Catholic priests. And 100%. So, you know, these two are quite conservative in the conservative side of Catholicism. And it does feel like, you know, this conservative Catholic media scene is really is If he'd, really been, ha,
1: if he'd yeah, been having sex with female members of his congregation, which ha, happens a lot, he'd be shamed. And then in a two or three years, he'd be back. This guy's yeah. never going to be back.
0: Yep. This guy's yeah. never
1: going to be back. And yep. it reflects something ugly in our society still that we find it more interesting and more call-out and more gotcha if you're having sex with people of your own sex. Now, granted, the Catholic Church is a homophobic uh, organization, so they're calling out their hypocrisy. But at some point, if if it's a legal app and people— uh, I, I mean, were people really depending on this guy? And I don't understand. And I'm not. I'm not even a fallen Catholic. I, I'm a rabid atheist. Were people really calling on this man for guidance and spiritual leadership because he was a celibate? And I understand. I understand that yeah, you well, take that's a that bigger vow. Discussion.
0: This is that's yeah, a bigger discussion within the we Catholic need a bigger boat. Let me just read the two quotes in the post from these two people. One is Condon. There's nothing to recommend the indiscriminate naming and shaming of people for moral failures just because you can. That is unethical and is not something we believe we've done. The other reporter, the guy, the guy runs the, not reporter, runs the newsletter, Flynn said, people are entitled to moral failures and repentance and reconciliation and legitimate good reputation. There's a difference between that and serial and consistent immoral behavior on the part of a public figure charged with addressing public morality. Isn't there? And they were pointing to a New York Times opinion piece about the dangers of leaked, this leaked uh, smartphone data and use of such data to identify a person who was near the Capitol on January 6th, which was uh, different. The New York right. Times quoted one man who was interviewed and agreed his name being used. So the writer of that, Charlie Wurzel, um, said this is ridiculous. These two are – there no way represent what I was uh, talking about. And I think this quote is perfect. This was the nightmare scenario we were talking about to some degree. To see it happen is just confirmation of just how dangerous this type of information is, uh, despite the fact that I don't think there are any ethical similarities with what we did. And this, it obviously makes me feel terrible that our work was used as a justification in this. I, this is really – I mean, it's interesting because people are going to do it once this once this cat is out of the bag, as the story points out. This is the problem, and now everyone's going to just do it. Now that the you know the sled's over the edge, I guess. Uh,
1: it feels as if there needs to be some sort of if you're not a public figure, if you ruin people's lives by accessing data that they thought at some point would be private, um, it does feel like either the platform or the the individual. I mean, I, I hated to see Peter Thiel put Gawker out of business the way he put them out of business, mm-hmm. but I also liked it. I thought, this is a morally bankrupt organization that decides to ruin the lives of people because it can for clickbait. And I don't know I don't know if it's, I don't know if, there's, if you can legislate your way out of this, but you read this stuff and you think, OK, we're, our morals have not cut up, just as our instincts haven't cut up to industrial food production, mm-hmm. uh, and we're obese. Uh, our, it feels as if our judgment and our morality and our concern for the welfare of other people and our forgiveness is not cut up to these technologies.
0: Yeah, it is going to be. It, it, the fact that they can track this guy. This is just a – I get these stories that came out and, and the hypocrisy st- – Arguments, I get them as a gay person. I get them, and I remember in the Reagan administration there were several gay people that were doing anti-gay things, and there was (laughs) a whole debate about outing. And I was not—I was like at the time it was very dangerous to be outed. I still, some days I'm like, I mean, uh, you got to think if it's someone who's very dangerous to gay people, I get it, but it's this—this tracking them is. I just have a wide
1: stance. I just have a wide (laughs) stance.
0: There's a well-known senator who is, you know, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I'm not going to mention who it is, but I, 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 I don't know why you would do that to him. And I don't like him either. So I don't know what to say. It's really, um, it's a real problematic thing. And I don't think I would make this choice, but these guys seem like advocates and um, out of a type. Anyway, it's a very, it's something to keep watching. And, and I, I think them using, they should just own up to what they've done and stop trying to pretend, trying to say they're ethical. It's, it's, it's questionably ethical is what it is.
1: Do you know how ugly, how fast and how ugly this could get or how ugly, yes. how fast it can get? Oh, yeah, A thin layer, a thin layer yeah. of AI on top of your yeah. Uber data. If yeah. they, someone gets Uber data, I can tell you, someone will be able to tell you if you yeah. just terminated a pregnancy, if yeah. you're HIV positive. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not going to take much with just GPS data to people start figuring out what people are I'm doing. I'm
0: in favor of secrets. Do you know what I've always noticed? The freakiest people on the outside are less freaky than people who are less freaky and are more freaky on the inside. That's always I been agree. an observation. In San Francisco, I they agree. keep their freak on the outside. They're pretty normal on the inside. Anyway, it's yeah, a, there was I always think, some yeah. weird...
1: I think that's an situation. interesting observation,
0: anyway, let's speaking of freaks, let's bring in our friend of Pivot. He's the co-author of The Cult of We. We Work Adam Newman and the Great Startup Delusion. He joins us from The Wall Street Journal where he's been writing about electric vehicle startup boom, which is cool. Elliot Brown, welcome to Pivot.
3: Glad to be here,
0: so Elliot, I just we have to give you credit. I know that you think that Scott. Too much of the credit for the WeWork decline, but Elliot has done a lot of the great God reporting hurts. that oh, led to. Are
1: you to it. stirring oh, Scott, it up? You were great Jesus, too. You're stirring we, it up, we
0: credit. Yes, you, in you do. We heard you do. I know. We know that. We know. But let me just say, you did amazing work. Many reporters did, but you are among the top ones who did that. And so we want to give you much credit. So, so tell us a little bit about the the book. Obviously, Scott knows a lot. I'm going to let Scott lead this, but tell us a little about the book to start, and then Scott will jump right in.
3: Uh, Good to be here. I I think that the sort of like short version of the book and what we found was like trying to follow the money because we knew a lot about WeWork beforehand. And so this was sort of like, why did so many smart investors, and a lot of them actually were smart investors, uh, Mm -hmm. get and CEOs of of the largest banks, uh, you know, get very personally involved and bullish on WeWork. And how did like... Mm -hmm you know, this, the whole financial sector convinced itself that a, uh, you know, the, the country's most valuable startup was really actually just a mirage, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it, it was a real estate company in, in tech clothing and then imploded in a really spectacular fashion. So the, the short version is why smart people do dumb things. And uh, that's a lot of what we, we focused on along with, you know, some tequila jets and, and yeah. luxury homes. I'm curious,
1: Elliot, what, what in the book, th- this story got a lot of coverage. It just captured people's imagination, and they just kept tuning in. W- what are one or two things uh, that you found that are in the book that people might not know that you think are really interesting? Or what what is
3: different than the conventional wisdom around the story of WeWork? I mean, one of the things that, you know, is, is a little more recent, that now that we have a coda to it, but is like just how rich Adam got while everyone else the CEO Adam Newman got while everyone else, you know, lost lots of money. So yeah. he he's left now with around he and entities he controls have left with around $2 billion, $2 billion in cash and yeah. stock. Wow. And you know, the co- the company has lost a combined 11 billion in its existence. Yeah. So, so that's one facet. And then another facet on the investment side was just like there was a lot of stuff that seemed really dumb on the surface. It's like, oh, SoftBank commits to spending four billion dollars after a twelve-minute tour, and mm-hmm. um, you know, in the second-largest startup investment mm-hmm. ever. And so we thought there was more to that. And then you you dig in, and actually, we learned there really wasn't much more to it. I mean, and, and this this kind of happened again and again at the stages of financing throughout WeWork's rise, where you yeah. had. Principles of these really large investment firms committing in a like within minutes of meeting Adam, and then they'd go do the due diligence. And I, I guess this is a new thing we found. They we found that like these these investors would at at Fidelity at at, at yeah, the Chinese private inve- equity company at SoftBank would look into it. Analysts would like type numbers into spreadsheets and be like, "Oh, well, this is a real estate company and it's really overvalued," right? And yet, then the investment would still go through. So why? Um because uh the short version is because it was a bubble and bubbles warp minds. And so you could get the you know that plus the charisma of this this really magnetic salesman, Adam Newman, would mix with a fear of missing out and so then suddenly you had Fidelity and T Rowe Invest, uh, T T. Price, uh, and SoftBank, convincing themselves that, oh yeah, well, Adam's really charismatic. He convinced me in the room that this thing is a tech company, um, and is going to just like take over the world in a few years. And I just don't want to listen to all these like twenty other reasons that seem pretty obvious that are concerns. And I'm just going to look at this one or two that that is really like the the way to get off because otherwise, how? I don't get to spend my money. My my job is to spend money to make money, and and there's not enough places to spend it.
1: Do you think there's any? I've just been shocked that some DA that says wakes up in the morning and says hello, madam or or, or Mr. Governor every morning, doesn't see an opportunity to go after
3: Adam Newman. I mean, just a level of grift
1: now, here.
0: You know, you have Elizabeth Holmes about to go to court, right?
3: So we were wondering the same thing. Um, I think the answer is just how much is legal in, in the financial system. I mean, it's not yeah, illegal. No to laws these, were like, broken in your mind. Yeah, I mean, nothing big. Uh, like, I mean, he would lie publicly about them being profitable and sort of, I think, in his head say, like, uh, I have an asterisk. But then when they'd show investors numbers, as long as they asked yeah. the right questions, they would get the real numbers. The problem was, the investors were looking at the numbers and not seeing the obvious. So yeah. it's, it's a lot like, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of more concerning than Theranos in that sense, where Theranos was someone lying to unsophisticated investors. This is someone not lying to really sophisticated investors, and yeah. yet they still like did something just as dumb.
0: That's a really good point.
3: Have you
1: followed WeWork since then? Sandeep Matrani, they cut a lot of costs. It feels like COVID, a post-COVID world, actually plays to many of the strengths of flexible, aspirational, millennial-friendly workspace. Do you have any thoughts on kind of the new WeWork and its prospects?
0: And it's going through the SPAC route, correct? Let's make that clear.
3: He, yeah, they, um, we work always has a way of finding the easy money out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's kind of like this weather vane now for what's going to happen with the future of the mm-hmm. office. And, uh, you know, if companies like decide that they don't really know what they want and they want short term space instead of long term while they figure it out, it, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, so it could do well, but like it's pretty clear the world. Now views it as a real estate company and yeah. and so it's never going to like be if just because people fill back the offices doesn't make it a forty seven billion dollar company again. I mean, they're right now like an eight billion dollar company, and they have a lot more desks than they did when Adam left. And you know, if they fill them, who knows? Maybe it'll be a little more than that. but it's yeah, the 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 rocket ship to the point where anyone will be caring about it or doing podcasts on it, I think is is probably uh, not happening anytime soon.
0: One thing I'd love to know is because one of the things when I talked to in previous investors, they're sort of not you know you call it the great startup delusion. They don't really care that that happened, right? They were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Feels quaint you know. now. It does, and they also have a sort of attitude like, oh, we made a mistake. Like, well, that's all right. Like, and in many ways, it didn't get public, which was I think a good thing, right? It didn't get to the retail investor. It got it's it not, was money the from SoftBank or yeah. or the Saudis or whoever it, it was. Do do you do you think like that? I mean it's just like what's the difference rich people lost money like and they were <laughs> stupid? Like I don't I don't how do you sort of justify that? And then what do you do you see others Another care you saw, you know, Elizabeth Holmes was another one, Adam Newman. There's many, many like this. Do you see anything else that worries you on the horizon?
3: Yeah. So it's funny, like right after when, when we started writing the book, there was actually this big, people forget it now, but there was this big chill in Silicon Valley for a few months where it was hard to raise money if you were a late stage company, especially if you had mm-hmm. losses. And suddenly SoftBank told all of its companies to start cutting and instead yeah. of growing forever. Uh but then yeah, like people have completely forgotten that this thing existed. I mean, it was like it, again, the were the, wor- the country's most valuable startup was a mirage. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um and so yeah, today I think what's happened is the public markets have gone crazy again and and are, are really kind of roaring and money is dumped into the economy. And you see a lot of similar things in the electric vehicle sector, um, mm-hmm. where it's really name, just names, riding
0: Elliot. Name, off name names. <laughs> names. Sure. I mean
3: it's riding off the, the glow of Tesla. That that that's I mean, like you, you can say many things about Tesla and about how like they're actually build amazing cars, um, and Elon Musk actually understands things about uh, engineering. However, it is a seven six hundred fifty billion dollar company that you know is uh, builds fewer cars than Subaru in a year. Yeah, and uh, right. also and makes
0: a lot of money on decarb. Carbon is carbon Tax credits, credits yeah. and uh, Bitcoin and lots of right, stuff right. like that. Yeah.
3: And and so like out yeah. of all Scott the, carb, the been,
0: big Scott has been Scott has been dashed <laughs> on these rocks before. Just so you know, you're gonna rocks. Up.
3: I
1: just gotta warn you, you're not gonna get uh, get attacked on Twitter for just anything <laughs> and everything once you out yourself as a Tesla bear.
3: So so I have um I've reported on on Lucid Motors, which just went mm-hmm. public today or started on the yep. stock exchange um and. They, I wrote a story just about the SPAC that they were going public with, and that how that was the, who that was what C, you might call Churchill it? Four, Churchill Capital, which Four, C CCIV, is, which,
0: but who's um, it's a Michael
3: of it? Klein SPAC.
0: Michael Klein special, yeah, right? It yeah, it was
3: the second largest mm-hmm. one, and
0: mm-hmm. oh, investment uh, banker, well known,
3: yeah, et cetera. Um, yeah, f- former Citigroup. Um, and their price after they, you know, um, because it it was, became a meme stock on Reddit, it, the price went up five times. And so this company that was potentially merging with this other, you know, car company that hasn't sold any cars, uh, was implying a valuation of like 90 billion for the car company, which today still has a valuation of around 40 billion and it hasn't sold any cars. 40 billion is twice the size of Nissan. It's like two thirds the valuation of Ford and it has not sold any cars. Uh, so I mean, you can think of amazing things about the future, but that's that's a very unprecedented thing to to happen. Out
0: Indeed, there. there is. I although you know, someone's going to run the car companies, These car companies eventually. What when you look at that? What do you, as a reporter, like? Look, Adam Newman's easy because he's got the hair, the Jesus thing going on, the wife who's problematic, the whole the private whole, jets, yeah, there private jets the, <laughs> the pot that he likes. To, is it pot? Right? That's yeah, that pot, the, thing. The,
3: the vents that suck pot out of his offices. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. He was. I recall smelling that, and I was there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that in many cases, but it was, uh, he, you know, he's like that. Like, are you going to, is there anyone like that that's doing that? I'd love to know what you think, why they fell for him over others.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, particularly as like working reporter at the Journal, it's 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 hard for me to, to sort of name names until it's right. more obviously happened. But like, I mean, I think if you look around SPAC land, that, that is like – you now see a lot of the same traits where there are these consumer companies going public. They both have hypey, spack sponsors that mm-hmm. that will talk about how the company will be doing this revenue in five years. Right. Uh, and then you also have these CEOs of these companies with no revenue or little revenue that are literally promising to make some of the fastest growing companies on the planet. Mm. Uh, and and they have very little to show for it. But but if yeah. they're selling their premise, like the premise of their investment is uh, that they're selling to investors is this company is going to grow to 10 billion three years faster than Google did and five years faster than Tesla did because yeah. we say so in a PowerPoint.
0: Yeah, Scott.
3: What? Uh, so, do you follow? I know you follow the EV market. Do you follow
1: space at all? Have you followed any of the new? That's specs? what I was
0: going to say. Scott has this thing about space, like space Virgin Spacks. Galactic. Uh,
1: well, yeah, space one of them has just been charged with securities fraud. There's six new. There's six new space companies, and I, I'm. I've seen a bunch of EV vehicle stuff um, line up for spec. It definitely feels like there's some stuff you are going to be covering in in in
3: not such a good way. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's right. Like I've followed space some. I mean, these companies largely all have the same uh, approach, which is essentially they're pitching what would have normally been a series A venture capital investor or a series B venture mm-hmm. capital investor of vision yeah and th- in theory the the VC if if it's not super bubbly will um be like okay well that's a good idea but that's really risky so here's this price but then mm-hmm. what's happened is because they've opened it up to the public markets and because the public right, markets right landing. now are, yeah, like very memey and and go off Reddit, then you get these, and I talk to a lot of them because I message them on Reddit, uh, you get these like 19 year olds in Poland and Sweden um, you know, buying the stock because they're excited by it and oftentimes because they just, and they say this on the record, they're like, oh, I think it's overvalued but somebody's going to pay a higher price than me. Right. Uh, which is not right. a great healthy sign of of, of health and stability well, in the market.
0: Start, let me just say, but I'm, I'm Working on a memoir of Silicon Valley, and I'll never forget a Goldman Sachs banker saying to me, "Well, the company's pre-revenue," which I was—that's <laughs> my favorite expression of all time, pre-revenue. And you yeah, know, people thought that about Amazon. People thought that about lots of stuff. Like, if you recall, like maybe you don't recall, you might be much younger than I am. But I'd love to know. And people had that delusion then, just like you're calling the great startup delusion. Google was part of that too. Everyone was not unclear before they got into the advertising business, what it was. Amazon was sort of the poster child for that, and Netflix. You know, you could go mm-hmm. through each of them one mm-hmm. at a time. And there's, listen, there's a lot of, like, pioneers along the way that are dead. Like, we forget all the ones that went down, like MySpace and, and et cetera, et cetera. There were dozens and dozens of those. What is the great startup delusion today?
3: So, so two things. I mean, I guess the, the sort of the thing that points out one of the issues today is Amazon lost a cumulative something like $3 billion, including the mm-hmm. dot-com bust, before it became profitable for a full year. Uh, WeWork lost that like last quarter. So, and WeWork has, you know, besides a blip in 2012, the second year in business, they they haven't been profitable ever. So, I mean, just the scale of losses, uh, mm-hmm. kind of that that grow and grow, is is Uber hasn't been profitable, Lyft hasn't been profitable. I mean, these companies are really old now; they're they're over 10 years yeah, old for, for Uber. So, you know, the the, the scale of of profits is, uh, I think, number one. And then two is, I, I think, like a thing that we really focused on for the book is is just this notion of of the, the cult of the founder, and mm-hmm. founder control. And so it's one thing to just believe the Steve Jobsian, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos concept of like, these guys see better than the public markets and, and a board of directors. You just gotta trust them and they're gonna do it. And that clearly does work for, for some actual visionaries. But then what's happened in, in venture capital is they've convinced themselves that that means you have to give the founder full control. Now, mm-hmm. it's modeled after Bezos and, and Jobs, neither of them had founder control. Bezos just owned 40% of the stock and, and Jobs got fired. That's right. Um, yeah. Right. But so th- what's happened today is you you giving these, these you know, we say in the book something it, it, it's a, when they give it to Adam, it was akin to giving a teenager the keys to the sports mm-hmm. car f- with a tank full of gas. I mean, you're giving them mm-hmm. billions of dollars and no ability to, to say, don't do that. Uh, and so <laughs> that like, stuff like this is going to happen. There's going to be other WeWorks where y- if it's not tequila and jets, it's going to be like rum and yachts. And mm-hmm. uh, there, there's going to be really big implosions if you just have this concept where where founders are immortal beings and you give them full control.
1: Yeah, it really is peak founder, which takes me to another question. Has Most importantly, has Rebecca Newman found enlightenment or opened another kindergarten? <laughs> Has is are things working out for Rebecca? Because she she strikes me as really likable. I'm really hoping things work out for Rebecca oh. Newman. Um,
0: Once again, it's not Cheryl's fault as much as Mark's. But let's yeah,
1: go. Ahead yeah, I, I, I don't know, Adam. He's got great hair, Karen. You just love he's his hair. Great You're in, hair. in love with his hair. By the way, I interviewed him. The I interviewed him on stage at a JP Morgan conference. And after the interview, I thought, Wow, that went really well. And Jamie Diamond, who I kind of admire, he's tall and he's dreamy and he's very rich and he came on stage and he caught i he grabbed my you know we met eyes and I thought oh my god Jamie Dimon loves me to come he practically ran my ass over to get to Adam Newman I mean he literally <laughs> practically started french kissing Adam Newman I just couldn't get over yeah. the relationship these yeah. two had so this is my real question here is like what is going on with them? Are they the Jared and Ivanka of of Amagansett? Like, where are they now? What's their <laughs> viewpoint? Do their employees yeah. hate them? Like, what what is up with the yeah.
3: Newmans?
0: What 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 are they doing? Yes, besides a reality show, soon enough, I'm sure. Uh, the Newmans
3: ahead. are in Amagansett. Um, my I have a friend who drove by uh, the other day and is just like chanced to have a
1: is he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Saw him holding a pizza box. <laughs> he has box. a lot of kids, um, right? They have yeah. a new kid, so they have six kids now. Um, yeah, they have And a new kid. he just bought a $40 million house in Miami, which uh, I would note has, if you live there over six months of the year, has has no capital gains tax. And he just has a yeah, uh, stock sale that. that has a huge capital gains bill. Um, uh, there oh, we go. what a surprise. Yeah. Uh, they there sold we some we of go. their property. So, they're, they're, she bought the, He's the, the rights with new to New York governance.
0: He's had it. He's <laughs> had it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. So, so he's fine. He's doing fine. Yeah, yeah billionaires just sure. are doing
3: fine. I mean, he wants to, he wants a second act. We don't really know what it is. He told people like, oh, I want to do something in in the future of living. Um. But then that seemed to fizzle. Yes. Oh,
0: no. He'll be uh, back. I'm
3: sure he will be back. Did he
0: talk to you for this He didn't book? talk, Did the talk book. to
3: you. He, we talked before. Oh. We'd, we'd, it was, wasn't for lack of trying on our part, um, but uh, yeah. he, he, we, we talked with his PR person some, but not much.
1: Yeah. I'm telling you it's a shame because no. he is very good looking, Elliot. It is <laughs> okay. really That's nice, nice the to be The reason his the presence. hair is
3: so uh, amazing is because uh, he had a hairdresser that would follow him around. Uh, and as with the surf oh, coach, as gone. with like the family fo- of the yeah. surf coach, as with the school teachers that they employed uh, for WeWork to go then educate their own children, the surf coach's children. So, um, you know, the hairdresser yeah. was in the entourage. I'm
0: so glad we all got him. <laughs> Boy, did that, you know, this reminds me. At the end of the whole AOL Time Warner debacle, mm-hmm. someone who was at uh, Time Warner was like, you know, when they shoved them all out, Bob Pittman, Steve Case, everyone else. And they're like, oh, Kara, we got them. I'm like, Steve Case owns half of Hawaii Everyone that you talk about has hundreds of millions of dollars and your stock is in in the t- in the toilet. I'm like, nice job getting them. We're
1: going to be, don't get these people uh, Elliot, we're going to be at the business school riding, we do courses on negotiation, which is largely for faculty who don't want any accountability. And so they come up with stupid classes that there's no output or measurable output. But anyways, we'll be doing case studies. This individual figured out a way to get a 20% commission on losing $11 billion. That's never been pulled off no. in history. You could argue that he is the greatest negotiator in history. And we can learn a lot from kind of understanding the
3: attributes. We shall not. One of the ironies is when he was CEO using WeWork's money, he did all these acquisitions at these really high valuations that just were sold for peanuts. And so it's like he's kind of the world's worst negotiator. Uh, when the, wave doing for the wave company yeah, yes. for <laughs> this, the, the Wave Company. that's my favorite yeah
0: there's a whole bunch of, i remember when they came to, that to me and i was like what like what <laughs> what i remember saying what several times anyway uh elliot brown is has great hair and he is the co-author of the cult of we we work adam newman and the great startup delusion you should read it it's a great book elliot thank you so much thank
3: you so much
1: very likable
0: Yes, Scott, I think he was. I think very likable,
3: very likable
1: guy. He
0: credited you in the book. That's all you need to
1: know. What a thrill. All right.
0: One more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
0: while much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, wins and fails, quickly. Um,
1: Okay, my win is um, the women's water polo team, who uh, could be best described as total badasses. They dominated Japan. They had a a physical but great victory against China. And also, there is really a lot of inspiration at the Olympics, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially around age. We have a 57-year-old... Uh, table tennis star Ni nee Shilan, uh, mm-hmm. who is on the team. Also, there is an 11 year old that qualified to serve on the table tennis team for the Syrian Arab Republics team. There's a 57 year old and a 66 year old who qualified for the equestrian. Uh, comp- uh, teams and other sports. Jake Gibb, oldest man, uh, an Olympic beach ball- volleyball at 45, also a uh, cancer survivor. Sue Bird, who's going for a fifth Sue women's Bird. basketball gold medal uh, Wife at the Megan age of 41. Rapinoe, mm-hmm. uh, Megan's married? I didn't know that. Um, I think they're married. And the, and the evergreen partner. 46-year-old gymnast, Oksana Chuzabinita. I Ooh, got that one her. right. Uh, we'll also be at the Olympic Games. So I think, anyways, I wanted to give some shout-outs to some amazing nice athletes. You
0: after trashing the Olympics.
1: And then my loss or my fail is, this is a trivia question, you know, how well do you know Scott? Because you claim we're friends. You tell people we're friends, but you really I, don't, I don't invest don't in our, tell our relationship. not friends, but okay. Yeah, you do. No, I've heard I you do. Anyways. I, I don't. Anyways, so what do the following, what do these, the following organizations all have in common? Okay, the student body at University High School. Mm-hmm. Stanford, Duke, Kellogg, University of Indiana, University of Texas, Wharton, and now the Soho House. What? Oh, and the Ocean Club in Florida. What do all of these organizations have in common?
0: I don't know. Did Scott pay? Do you go there? I don't
1: know. Okay, I applied for membership. Okay. all of these. I either applied yeah. to college there, or I applied to be a member, oh, and I was rejected by all of them.
0: Wow, you got you got rejected by the Soho Club,
1: Soho House. Oh yeah, why, I, I, why? I applied like six months ago, thinking, oh, they're going public, which means they'll let in anybody. I was yeah. wrong. I was wow. wrong. I haven't Do you want gotten. Want me to in.
0: get you in? I declined no, I, I, I declined All my friends,
1: offer. I'll say that. I don't want any friend <laughs> I, I know to get an me an offer. The they couldn't
0: believe it one Yeah, time. I know. They, Everybody they, wants,
1: they, wants care, blah, blah, blah. No, did,
0: and I said no, and I, I wouldn't use it. But what, why, don't you, why don't you call Brooke Hammerling and get in the San Vicente one, the one in L.A.? I'm, I'm
1: fine. Getting, I, I wear it like a badge of honor. I am fine Wait, being let rejected me list by that again. What,
0: what what Stanford? I was also rejected by Stanford. What else? Stanford,
1: Warden, University of Indiana. That hurt. That I didn't hurt. apply to either of University of Texas, Wharton, Kellogg, Duke. Oh, I got rejected by Duke I forgot about that I, I ran for five different student body offices in high school yeah. and lost them all uh, sophomore junior senior class president and then the Soho House that one kind of hurts wow anyways but my loss <laughs> they
0: do let everyone in <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do let everyone in my what loss you do Mm-hmm. It's what I didn't do. I don't know. 56 year old boring straight white guy. It's not like I'm everyone's oh, list I'm for at, who we I'm need more of.
0: That. So, uh, I'm going to find out what the situation Erectile
1: dysfunction is not a protected uh, ailment I think yet. You can anyway, get the So, okay. So uh, the the company What's that the owns fail? the Soho House went public. So my yes. loss is. They they're trading at about a $2.5 billion valuation. I got $2 billion in debt, yeah. 30 properties. So as far as I can tell, they're valuing every company. property, yeah. which is essentially kind of a, a, a really nice restaurant. And it's a good business model. And I think they do a great job. I go a lot, and I mm. love it there. I go to the one in Miami. I was obviously have to go with a guest uh, because they're a member because I'm not a member. I think yeah. they do a great job. But this is an example of a frothy market. This company should not be a public company. No. And it, okay. they, their record, there's only one year they I were profitable. I think it's like IHOP
0: for rich people, but go ahead.
1: Sorry. No, IHOP's just an amazing saying. business. <laughs>
0: That's true. Um,
1: it's an amazing <laughs> okay. business. SoHouse, right. yeah, it's it's record profitability was in 2018. They did 15 million in EBITDA. Mm-hmm. This thing has somewhere between three and five billion enterprise value. This thing is just so ridiculously mm-hmm. overvalued, and it's a perfect example, I think, of froth in the market.
0: And it's not the rejection speaking, right? Just makes let's let's. Oh, a little that. bit,
1: little A little bit. bit. Yeah. But I'm used to that. I i almost. How much did almost it
0: cost to get in?
1: I think it's like 3,000 or 3,500 bucks a year, something like that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, high relative debt, lack of near-term profitability, historical lack of profitability. Uh, this thing just makes no sense as a public company. And right now it's trading at a valuation of a, uh, you know, a fairly decent hotel yeah. chain. Yeah. So anyways, my loss is um, um, okay. Not so even that all of these organizations have rejected the dog. That's just common sense. I get yeah. that. I empathize right. with that. Yeah. But as a public, as a public stock, um, and this is really uh, more of a prediction, this thing is not going to hold its value. No, it right. just okay. it makes no sense. I think I,
0: I would tend to agree with you. Although they should let you in. You know what I mean? Right?
1: I tip big. I'm a better version of me drunk. They haven't seen me drunk. Let I'm me just charming. tell you, there's a I'm lot nice. of
0: people in there that are
1: even less impressive than the dog. Yes.
0: Yes. That's how you- I would put it. <laughs> Yeah, no,
1: They've rejected would, <laughs> me. Haven't gotten in.
0: Haven't gotten oh, in. For goodness sake. All right. Well, let, anyway, I'm going to do a very quick win and fail. Um, uh, same thing. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, did an op-ed in the, in the Arkansas paper. She's a gubernatorial candidate there. She said she had been vaccinated against coronavirus and urged others to do the same. At the same time, she, of course, had to call it about the Trump vaccine. And she had to then say, you should do what you want, which I didn't love. So whatever, like it's, it was a twisted, peace, I have to say, but nonetheless, if it's as George Conway says, if it saves lives, then I'm happy about it. That's fine. Okay, Scott, that's the show. We'll be back on Friday for more. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your questions for the pivot podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Read us out, Scott.
1: Today's show is produced by Lara Naiman and Evan Engel. Ernie Andrew Todd engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify, or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. I can't think of anything more Jesus-like or more American than letting people love who they want to love. We need to reject this bullshit where we go after people and shame them for loving who they want to love.